across the sea of character sheets, deep in the forest of D20s lies the mountain of source books. Welcome to the Mountain of Source Books. We hope you enjoyed your climb. My name is Jeffrey Vincent Dale, and joining me today is my co-host Rose. Howdy ho! Since it was a Newsday episode, there's a whole name change thing. I did it again. This is the second name. Jesse was the old one. Don't worry if you use Jesse; it's fine. Yeah, good idea to reiterate. I I wasn't thinking about the fact that people might skip the news episodes. Yeah, that's the uh, I, I'll, I'll reiterate it next gameplay one as well, and after that point. It's all, um, yeah. But yeah, well, speaking of news updates, we, we there have been a few things that have happened uh, since our last news update. Yeah. We'll start with this whole TSR situation. Oh, I have so much to talk about here. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that don't know, TSR, it's the company that owned D&D and stuff. And then they got bought out by Wizards of the Coast because it's a like separate thing. I don't actually remember the whole details. I was pretty young when it happened. Here's the thing. Another company led by uh, Gary Gygax's jackass son was formed and they basically took a bunch of properties, like claimed um, ownership of these properties and kept trying to recreate them. And here's the thing about this company. The whole theme of their company is that games these days have been changing and they're not like when we were kids. Like, we've gone through a renaissance in RPGs at this point. Things are changing, friends. <laughs> and a lot of it comes to very, um, almost like, frankly, bigoted and misogynistic stuff going on. It's very, like, frustrating. But because they're using a whole bunch of like properties something about star frontiers it looks yep. like was it, it the, something they were trying to reboot yeah it was it's there's a whole legal battle between them and wizards of the coast and they are hemorrhaging money because they're fighting a, they're fighting against a giant as people who are just honestly terrible at what they're doing and are just trying to like piggyback off of something also Star Frontiers, it's basically Star Wars, except, again, it goes into very, like, misogynistic and bigoted stuff. Not, mm -hmm. not that un uh, reminiscent of stuff like Fatal back in the day. Not that bad, but, like, that direction. It's not great. I mean, honestly, the whole entire basis for the company seems to be legal loopholes we f we think we found legal loopholes and we're going to exploit them mm -hmm. e even the use of the name tsr yep technically they they didn't like buy the rights to the name tsr it's just wizards didn't renew the license for the name mm -hmm. so they're like oh well we're gonna swoop in and take it then but they're hemorrhaging money so they're selling off things that they do own and they're just it's a massive hole, and I could not be happier considering all like all the things I mentioned. It's it's um the world of RPGs has gotten amazingly better, um, especially like talking about misogyny in general is like I would be honestly saying like women now write a significant percentage of RPGs at this point, and it's like back in the day that they're pining for is it's like the reason why you didn't see a whole lot of women around was not because they didn't work in there. It's because it's horribly sexist uh, background politics. 
the the people doing this though it's very much they see it as a feature rather than a bug yeah, no, like it's it's hard to explain if you're not if you weren't watching it while they came back trying to like use the name and it's like there's a term in RPG space called a grognard which is somebody who's like unwilling to change of the times and even I know a couple of people like that and even them they're like you're being unreasonably jerkish to this what is wrong with you and people were not buying their products and it's just it's going back for them and I could not be happier and I've talked about my problems with wizards in itself and it's like I'm happy that they're basically kicking them in the butt yeah full on chapter 7 bankruptcy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I yeah I couldn't be happier again I grew up in that space when I was younger that's the ones that they're calling for I appeared in all purposes to be a straight cisgendered little boy at the time and even I had a hard time like mm. that time was not a great time for people and they're just trying to play to that crowd that doesn't exist anymore yeah certainly not in numbers that can support something like that yeah thankfully and if you if you look at the the numbers it is they didn't even cover their legal fees in terms of their sales last quarter (laughs) wow that's pretty bad (laughs) yeah so next uh next item of note We've talked about this year's D&D releases and how they they seemed pretty underwhelming. But the one that I was actually excited for, Fandelver and Below, uh, it's up for pre-order now. And it looks like it's quality. I, you know, probably won't play it. But, I mean, it's neat. Yeah, maybe. Because I, I mean, I always want to be able to run a game and just mm-hmm. am looking for more people to run and more time to run it. I can see myself running this one one day. Yeah, because we know it's got a solid start. Uh, everything I'm reading about it sounds like it has uh, light horror elements to it later on. Okay. Uh, and most importantly of all, the price right now on it is really reasonable. Okay. Yeah, if you buy the physical and digital bundle, I believe the price right now is fifty dollars, or maybe it's sixty dollars for the whole thing. That's pretty good. Like physical stuff is expensive. Yeah, sixty dollars, and and going forward, the price of just physical is going to be seventy. So yeah, I I, I swooped in and got that <laughs> before the price goes up. <laughs> yeah, that does happen. But yeah, I'm excited for that one. I I did end up skipping the uh, the Big Bee's Guide to Giants or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. It just there wasn't enough in it to interest me. But yeah, I, I was just very very glad to see that price. I'm wondering how close that is to what things are going to be like going forward. Yeah, because they did say that they were going to increase the prices. We talked about that last time. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I I would love if they they made it like a cheaper pre-order and then... I mean, I would love most if they just didn't raise the price, but... Yeah, there's (laughs) only so much you can do about that, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say about that. The one thing I was excited for from D&D this year is out. (laughs) Or or ready for pre-order, anyways. Uh, and speaking of other D&D things... That's a pretty poor segue, Jeff. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of any other way to do it. But, uh, yeah, I, I've made no secret about the fact that I'm excited about Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, we've been excited for it for... It seems like 20 years now at this point. 
Yeah, well, well, for me, I I only uh, first played the first two games in 2020. I mean, yeah, not that I wasn't talking to you about it for every day for six or nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not bitter. <laughs> it was an accessibility issue. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, Baldur's Gate Two was one of the like one of the games for me when I was younger. I used to be a modder in that community. Um, it's pretty big in it. So it was just, it's just funny. That it's like. You're into it now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so in the lead up to Baldur's Gate 3's release, they've released a sort of choose your own adventure kind of thing. Murder mystery. Yes, it's called Blood in Baldur's Gate. And it's kind of a community vote thing. Yeah, it's really odd. It's like kind of its own little like separate thing but it's also like set up for like a bunch of different people at once so it's like it's happening at a time so it's like there's a web event and it's like not a product yeah it's it's a browser game pretty much yeah and uh basically you're just reading through this adventure voting on where you want to go next to investigate and then they'll depending on the results the next day, they will open up the next location that was most voted for. Okay, I kind of misread that. Okay, so it basically means, like, the game is closed in certain areas, and then you vote for the area, not so much what actually happens in it. Okay. Yeah, and then I guess, I don't know if there's, like, a time limit where you have a certain number of areas and only so much time to investigate them or what, but... Yeah. It looks interesting. It's, it's, de- it's like nothing I've ever seen before. It has elements of stuff I've seen before, but overall. It's kind of like one of those old, um, back in the days of AOL, there were like websites that would just be like kind of community stuff, and it would just be like games that were set up over the course of it. And it's just like, who made this and who is making money off of this? Because <laughs> that, was, that was before like good ad revenue and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, and then they haven't, announced anything about how it might affect anything in game Mm. Uh, but it does have an option to tie to tie it to your uh, Larian account so I don't know if it will maybe participating in the game will get you some in game rewards once the game comes out I don't know yeah it's it's definitely hard to tell game should be coming out like very soon yeah they announced it's coming out end August okay Yep, got a pre-ordered, got a couple of days off near the release date. Not the actual release date, but near it. <laughs> Moving on from there. Uh, this is actually something I'm actually... I think it's kind of a neat little thing that I would not have guessed. I would be like, this this works. Why does this work? I guess it works. Yeah, I would say it's... It's not something I would have ever thought of, but once I heard about it, I was like, oh, well, actually, why didn't this happen sooner? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, like, well past its, like, prime time to make this thing. <laughs> yeah, the the thing we keep alluding to, but not saying. Yes. <laughs> Adventure Time is getting a tabletop RPG. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, as far as I can tell from... The article it appears that they have like a whole setting guide uh, which is super neat considering how just bizarre and wild that setting is um 
I would be especially interested if they have a map because I can't comprehend what that would look like. <laughs> but then it's just like this little RPG thing in in this this bizarre little setting, and then they, they like have a bunch of rules for like characters and stuff, and like the characters in this setting are so wildly like dimorphic. It's like it's just a fascinating thought process to actually go into this. And it's like, this is definitely not something I would have ever pictured actually happening though, because especially since again, like even the movies that they made afterwards, those have been like a few years ago at this point. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I, I, I know they came out after 2020, but I don't remember what, what year Mm -hmm. and they, they were spread out over the course of a year. So at the very most recent the last episode would have been more than a year ago so but you know like i there's there's been a talked about a uh bunch of different rpgs they're like this seems like this should be this should have been made like a decade ago so it's like this isn't that bad yeah i know i'm excited for it It, it's i don't know that i'll ever play it Right, that's it's one of that. It's on that list of all the things. Like, well, if you want to put this like under one of the other books over there, hopefully it doesn't collapse a wall or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely something. I like even just kind of like looking at the setting would be neat, especially since it's got a very like odd sense of humor for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I am. I'm looking through uh, the Cryptozoic website. That's the company that's producing the game. I don't see any other tabletop RPGs. I think this might be their first foray. That's interesting. I, I I've never heard of the company before, so that would explain it. <laughs> yeah, they've they've done lots of board games and card games. Ah, that's uh, uh, actually a common thing as well, where. It- um, a board game company will be like, oh, hey, this, there's this RPG thing. People seem to like this and then make something. And hopefully they looked at other RPGs when they did it so that they understand how they work. Yeah, here's hoping. I- I'm seeing a lot of uh, DC Comics stuff here. Hmm. I don't remember who owns the Adventure Time um, license. Oh, yeah, it is uh, It is Warner Brothers that owns it. <laughs> okay, yeah, that explains, that explains it. Oh, they did uh, Ghostbusters, the board game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that has the potential to be pretty cool. I Again, we have a massive list of stuff to do, but if we ever did play it, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, depending on how long it takes to come out. Because, I mean, the Kickstarter hasn't even started yet. Yep, that's another and... <laughs> That's another point, yeah. it's the, the, we've, the, Most Kickstarters, like even once they end it's usually like two, three years before the product actually comes out. Um, I actually um, had a talk with some people who did Kickstarter for a while, and they basically said, yeah, when you do a Kickstarter, you should probably do like half the work before you do your Kickstarter because people are going to get very upset at you eventually if it runs like too long. So it's like, have most of your work done and just rely on the Kickstarter money to make sure you can pay everybody at the end yeah it, that's one thing i really liked about uh the girl by moonlight kickstarter mm-hmm. was they're, they're estimating january but they're like eh it's probably gonna be done early our last couple of games will be done early <laughs> that's i mean they 
know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They've done, they've, this is not their first rodeo. But yeah, seeing as Cryptozoic does not appear to have worked on any tabletop RPGs, I'm thinking it's going to be a much longer lead-up time. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much everything I found in the news that was newsworthy for this week. Alright, so let's zoom in on Microscope now. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I am a little too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so for the first time in a long time, we're finally getting to a game. Yeah, it's... Feels weird, honestly. We, we had a rough, rough period of time, and this this is actually a really good game to start with. Back when we're, Now we're getting back into this because it is a game that works pretty well without a whole lot of pressure. Yeah, it's pretty simple. It doesn't seem like it's going to require being on your toes as much as DMing something else, mm-hmm. which would be like, Well, I mean, good. you can walk into this with <laughs> zero prep. Like, obviously, yeah. you need to have read the rules and stuff, but, like, even then, like, there's not rules so much. It's just guidelines. Um, I compare this very heavily to Henshin, which was a diceless game as well. We're playing mm-hmm. Microscope, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> Second time this uh, this episode where we've started getting into the details before we've given the explanation of what we're doing. Yeah, it's basically a diceless game about creating a world and then focusing on events. So like that's the point of the microscope is like you have the broader scale and then you focus in on it. And uh comparing it to Henshin is like Henshin was a game that we played and we didn't like because there was no structure to it. It was just you do these things to create a like kind of false dichotomy of drama, and there's no reason to do any of it. There's no like functional mechanical value to it. There's no um, really like any specific reason to pick. This is why I'm doing this thing. This game, there's a structure here that's like you set your beginning, you set your end, and you set like various different events throughout history, and you can set these in any way you want. Um, you can start at the beginning of time and the end of time, or you could be like the beginning of the week, the end of the week. And that's your like stage that you can put stuff in. And then you basically just create stuff. You create all sorts of different um, setting details. It's really neat. Yeah, I, I like the way that it kind of gives you, the, you the players, the, the opportunity to decide how zoomed in or zoomed out you want to go. And very important, it's a GMless game as well, so everyone gets a chance to have an equal say in everything. Yeah, it's it's two to five players, no GM. Everybody kind of takes turns. We'll we'll get into the the details of how that works in a bit. Uh, I would suggest two players is fine. Three players is preferable at minimum mm-hmm. because there is a um because there, because there's no dice or anything. Um, oftentimes when you have conflicts you need somebody who is not involved in that conflict to basically be like, okay, this is what happens. And it's a really cool mechanic they have because it's like, it, whoever is not in the conflict gets to decide who wins the conflict. Also, the, the more people you have, the more ideas you got bouncing around. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that just seems like that would make it more fun. 
But yeah, all you really need is just the 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 book, which is only eighty pages, and some note cards, and you got everything you need. You really don't need the book so much. It's just to understand what the rules are and like what you do and don't do, because when you actually like put the game together, you just need like you need a table and you need like paper and stuff because the timeline gets complicated and being able to like put everything in the right space is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. to give an idea of how simple the game is, the quick start rules are one page. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, the text is a little bit tiny, but so is the book. So yeah, it's not a not a big book at all. Cost for the book, $20 physical, $10 digital. Very, normal prices. Very affordable and yes. honestly legitimately worth it. If like this is a game that you can keep playing for a long time. And admittedly, mm -hmm. it all depends on how interested everyone is in the story you're creating, which one issue with the game, of course, is since it's very um cooperative, everyone gets their say in something. And if somebody is just like, oh, I really don't like this aspect of the story, it's very difficult to guarantee that that's not going to bother somebody. It's a, there's a whole process to it. And yeah, it's, we'll get to it a bit more when we actually like play the game, but it is very interesting how it has like a very social dynamic to it. Yeah. There's, there's not like that, conceptual buy-in from the start with you that you would get with something like D&D &D where everyone knows okay this is a fantasy game yep. we're going to be playing probably heroes maybe villains depending on what we want to do but it, it's there's an element to that that everyone gets right off the bat and that's not something that you have with this game because yeah. it is so open I would not call that a negative, but I will say some mm -hmm. people may have a hard time with that because it's just like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we have to agree on something. And there are groups that can't handle that. I know groups that argue way too much to be able to play this game, and that is a thing. But part of the game is arguing. Like, you have to be like, you have to assert yourself to, be, to succeed in whatever it is you want to do at the time. Yeah, so let's dive into what the general rules are. Uh, so step one, we got the big picture. You come up with a simple overview of the history of the setting that is like one sentence long to sort of start things off. Uh, step two, bookend the history, create two historical periods, one that we start with and one that we end with, decide whether each is tragic or happy. Yeah, that's a, that's a consistent theme is, is this a good thing or is this a thing yeah and you keep those about a paragraph then you develop the palette where players discuss what's banned from the game because maybe they're not comfortable with it or maybe they just don't feel like telling that kind of story or perhaps they they see what direction the story's going or they're like well i know stories that are like that typically don't have this thing but i want this thing in our story and it's very important that you the it's essentially there's two, two two tables to it. There is the guidelines, like this is kind of where we all want this to go. This is the pool we come from. And then the other pile is literally like, nobody can touch this. And there is a bit of a problem where you can kind of like guarantee somebody else's idea doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I could definitely see a jerky group 
having a problem with this, but it's been a while since I've found one of those, so who knows. Mm -hmm. Most groups that I've played with would be great with this type of system, where it's just like, it's... You do need to be a little bit good with improv, but a lot of it's just like just little ideas. It's it's building small things to create much, much bigger things. And then over the course of whatever campaign you have, it's just like a long storied history, which is going to be unfortunately very hard for us as a non-visual uh, medium. Yes. <laughs> yes, the, the, the setup uh, of actually laying it all out is going to be very physical and we're going to have to record it at least a little bit differently. I actually have a plan for that. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll discuss that off air. Yeah, after establishing a palette, you do a first pass where players add periods or events to the history. And I think there's a, there's a limit on how many more events and periods one person can add over everybody else or something like that. I think, I think it's like it's one for one, so everybody has to be able to add something. Like you can pass, but like generally speaking, nobody goes much further than like one more than somebody else. Yeah, I, I think the rule is you can only pass twice, and after the second pass, then that after you have chosen to pass twice, uh, the first pass step is over. Yeah, and then. Um... It's just like you, you've created your structure and then you focus in on events, the microscope, as you will. You, you focus on this small event and then you figure out, OK, what are we going to talk about about this event? And everyone kind of takes turn creating stories and events, which then these stories, everyone makes a character and then you have a, each character has a goal as to what they're doing. And one of the big things that's great about it is everybody tells you what their goal is ahead of time. So mm. it's a cooperative story you're telling and while everybody has their own agendas, we all know what everyone wants and we work towards getting everybody their own things. It's just that eventually somebody's got to come out on top usually. Yes. It depends on your type of story obviously, but you know. Yeah, so after the first pass is over, one player becomes the first lens, and they decide what the focus is going to become for the game for a bit. And then everybody takes turns adding to that focus, keeping to that theme that the lens established until everyone's had a turn. Uh, then we have the player to the right of the lens picks a focus within that and makes it into what is called a legacy mm -hmm. which is an element of the story that they want to revisit and then after that a new player becomes the lens and the process starts over until the game's done yep which can be whenever like as i mentioned you can place this anytime between the creation of existence and the end of existence and and if you're not reaching the end point you can do whatever you like. Take this. Take as long as you want. This campaign could go on forever if you really want it to. Yeah, the the book says you can run it as a one shot, or if you want, you can just keep on going. <laughs> Which I can't imagine keeping track of that eventually. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it requires. I mean, I guess you could come up with some kind of digital table that stretches on and on and on. Eventually. And, and just until you're done, but yeah, in terms of playing it physically with people, you're gonna run out of table space eventually. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's the big thing is you need a decent sized table or small cards that you can still read. Mm-hmm. That's that's the main issue I have with the game is just like it's very physical and fortunately, yeah, we are an audio podcast, so it's like we definitely can already see a problem. And I think the game is still fun. And I definitely think it works better for like a couple sessions and not like a 50 camp or 50 session campaign. So, yeah, I, I do really like the idea of essentially using this as like a jumping off point for a campaign in oh, another yeah. system. That's, that's so, like that's, that sounds like like a dream to me as a person, like just creating a setting and just being like, yeah, we all created this thing and now we're going to play in it in a much more like broader game. And that's the thing we kind of didn't really focus on is this can be anything. It can be a fantasy world. It can be a world where spoons dance. It, it the, the, everything can be based around jazz. It it can be literally <laughs> anything. <laughs> the, the only limits are your imagination and what your friends are willing to tolerate. Yes. <laughs> It's definitely a big plus is that you can do basically anything. Oh, yeah. So we'll we'll include links in the show notes to where you can find that. We will be doing that one, obviously, in two weeks. We're not really sure what that's going to look like yet. Uh, we haven't recorded that part yet, but um, it should be a much easier game to handle than some of the other ones. So we'll definitely have something on time this time and should be fun. We're pretty confident that Rose and I will be able to record. Yep. I have not had a chance to check with Steve yet, but I believe he's a likely possibility. I mean, that right there is probably enough that we're good. Yeah, it's enough. Um, obviously, I'd be happy if Teach was able to join in, but I mean, obviously, I can understand if she doesn't want to. Yes. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then after that, we're not really entirely sure yet because our, our original schedule, there's just no way we could have done it. Yeah. We, we we had to come up with something new. Um, for the record, um, in terms of like our scheduling, I am learning to edit myself so, and like know that we're doing things. So we should be having a bit of an easier time handling the workload soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, even possibly having like an extra episode here or there. I don't think we'll go past like we'll go back to a weekly anytime soon. But still, it'll be better. Yeah. As far as what we're doing after this. Whenever Teach is next feeling up to it, we're probably going to do another movie review, uh, the direct-to-DVD sequel to the 2000 D&D movie. Sequel in quotation marks. There's, there's, a, there's a linking villain, and um, it's technically the same setting. Yeah. So that, that one's going to be coming up whenever Teach is feeling up to it. Uh, and then... Uh, I was very excited to see that the PDF for the Cowboy Bebop RPG has been released to backers. Uh, I, I definitely want to do that one when we can, so that might be the next game we do. We'll see. I mean, we have to. We have to end the, we have to end the episode with See You Space Cowboy, Jeff. It has <laughs> to happen. And we got to do the finger gun thing, but nobody can see it because nobody knows what we look like. <laughs> yeah, so... That's pretty much all we got, really, uh, just because of the nature of the game. I mean, we explained it pretty well. It's just it's an open ended game. So there's only so much you can talk about. <laughs> yep. 
a benefit and kind of a negative. I, I don't really think it's much of a negative from a gameplay standpoint, but in terms it's of not, talking about it. Yeah, it's it's not a negative actually a negative. The problem is you can't talk about it and also it is just like it has its flaws. They're not a flaw when you're playing them. They're they're a flaw when you're trying to organize stuff, and that's all it is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Our last diceless system didn't work out too great, but I think that was more of a just the way that that particular system was going. I'm sure this one will be much better. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It'll be nice to play something again. We haven't done yeah, that know, in a yeah. very long time. <laughs> uh, we have a Saturday game, and uh, we haven't played it in a while either. Yeah, I think it's been a month at this point. Yeah. But, but, you know, after all, who knows? <laughs> life gets in the way. Yeah. We are adults. Yep. I try to be anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us. Be careful on your way back down the mountain.